Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... We've got a great show on tap today. We look ahead to the World Cup first kick. I've got, of course, Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson with me. Before we get stuck into it, how you doing, boys? JJ, how are you, man? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks. Good to be back on with uh, you guys. What a what a difference a good result over the weekend makes as far as Villa fans are, are concerned. You know, it feels uh, feels a world away from what we were suffering uh, from under Steven Gerrard a few weeks ago. Nigel, what's nice up, man? Nice to see you again, mate. Nice to see you again. <laughs> You're looking forward to the World Cup, mate? Yes, unique circumstances, but I'm not going to lie, I'm excited now. It's nice that uh, the domestic leagues have all gone to take a little uh, well-deserved nap. But this is going to be a World Cup like no other, not just because of this, the circumstances, but just the fact it's halfway through a season. So you're looking eagerly to see who wins this World Cup. But then as soon as the World Cup's over, there's uh, domestic things that's going to be on the players' minds to see how they go back to perform at team level. Yeah, and you got a transfer window that is right there oh, after yes. the World Cup finishes, which is going to be very, very interesting indeed. It's a strange World Cup. It's a unique World Cup, but yet again... With it being expect the unexpected World Cup, anything could happen in this competition. So as we break down the groups, of course, we have our favorites and our tips, but like no other. I mean, you have no idea what to expect from the competition in general. Let's get fired into it, boys. We begin with Group A. It's the Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador, and Qatar host nation in Group A. Looking forward to that first kick. It's going to be Qatar against Ecuador. But let's begin with the Netherlands, who are favorites to obviously top this group. Uh, current FIFA rankings is number eight. Obviously, they got a familiar face leading the team. Nigel, the Netherlands have a tremendously talented squad. They should do damage in this competition. As you can see, by the odds, they are favourites to do well and get to the knockout stages and potentially make some serious noise. But can they make noise? What's your overall impression of the Netherlands? They've got a good chance. The talent's there now. I think there's been a couple of years of redevelopment and they've got a real good squad. Some great young talent we're seeing across, you know, playing obviously likes of Barcelona, Juventus and stuff. And it goes back to the Netherlands of old when they were really great with some of the legends and again, playing across Europe, but you've got a lot of young players in Netherlands' side getting a lot of great experience. 
top level clubs and playing Champions League football as well. But I always feel when it comes to that big moment, that vital moment, Netherlands really flattered to see. They've got the talent, but I feel that they're still missing that real kind of edge, that real bit of, um, I don't know if, it's, if you'd say it's personality or whether it's belief, but they're missing that something still where I can say, right, this Netherlands side really has what it takes to go all the way. I think they've done great. I think they always have a chance because of the quality of the players that they have at that squad. But whether they can go all the way, I always feel there's something just still always missing in in Netherlands. JJ, what's your thoughts? You know, you know what? I I don't know why, but I'm strangely high on the, the Netherlands. I feel they're going to have a really good tournament. I don't quite know what it is because you look at some of uh, Von Hal's um, decisions, he's left out some experienced players, some players that you'd feel are sort of obvious, uh, you know, players that definitely should be on the plane that haven't gone. Sven Botman, I mean, I think he's still awaiting his senior Dutch uh, debut as well. Uh, you've got guys like Gravenberg who have just unfortunately, you know, fallen foul of making a move at the wrong time in terms of their form petering out and, and not keeping them in contention uh you know you've got guys like uh, brian brobby i guess you know also kind of falls into that bracket malin as well at uh at brucia dortmund but there's something about this group of players and the sort of the the mission the, that they're going to go on under von hal i mean obviously it's going to be his last international tournament he is a fantastic coach both at club level and international level i know it didn't work out at united but aside from that he's a fantastic career and it kind of feels like a last hurrah and i don't know there's just something that's telling me that the the dutch are going to impress they you know they have a lot of uh, talent you know a lot of potential flair there some players with a bit of experience who are still probably going to be there the next couple of international tournaments as well so for me i'm i'm actually banking on the the dutch to to go quite far and uh, and turn quite a few heads yeah it's a great point actually when you you say that they missed out in what 2018 as well so there's a point to be proved by a nation that has uh, been hurt by that but also van hal has been very outspoken about this competition in general where it's taken place the human rights issue so watch for the fireworks that could potentially happen with the netherlands what are you expecting from them in general give me a prediction nigel how far this netherlands team could go for you i think they'll get out of the group stage definitely um Maybe they could probably make it to the quarterfinals, I'd say. What about you, JJ? How far can they go? You see, I've got them down as definitely getting to the quarterfinals. Unfortunately, sort of some of my predictions kind of cross over and collide a little bit because I'm convinced that Argentina will, you know, probably go all the way. Uh, and then they will obviously meet the Dutch, uh, assuming that both top their groups uh, at the quarterfinal stage. So I don't know, trying to to reconcile these two feelings that one Argentina will win, but the Netherlands will go really deep and impress. So we'll see how that one works itself out. But I think quarterfinals I can definitely see. And I think as well, when you go, going back to the, the squad selection for a moment, there have been some players who... I mean, for example, I saw Wijnaldum up close at PSG and then obviously he moved to Roma, got really unfortunate with when he picked up his injury. But I'd, I had been struggling to see sort of what he was bringing to the Dutch national team with the exception of that, you know, very hot run of form that he had at the beginning of Euro 2020. And I'm curious now to see what this next generation of Dutch talent can bring. And I think there's also this kind of unknown factor that's going to contribute towards them being maybe one of the surprise teams that does better than many expect at this tournament 
All right, let's have a look at the second favourites in the groups to actually qualify into the knockout stages. That would be Senegal. Um, obviously, a tremendously talented roster. Uh, current FIFA ranking sits at number 18 in the world right now. Obviously, doing incredibly well in Africa. Very successful year for them. They have talent, no doubt about it, in their squad, in their roster. Um, they have had that success, Nigel. Um, obviously in Africa. Can they translate that success with the players that they have? Obviously, you have the question mark about how uh, Manny is and how he's going to be when it comes to the competition. But where is your thoughts on what they can do? I have them getting out of the group stage. Just think they're too good. Got a great goalkeeper as well. Just think they're too good for Ecuador and Qatar. I think they get out the group. But what do you think of them overall? I'm with you, Ian. I think they definitely get out of the group. I think I probably am more with Senegal being a surprise package more so than the Netherlands. I think that, again, like we give credit to Van Gaal, I think we'll give credit to Alois Suse. I think Suse's done a fantastic job, given the opportunity, um, really has gone a long way with this Senegal side and the way he is. And I think that it's, for me, it's it's not really, how do I describe it in the right way? I would probably say that he's he's got that balance right of the freedom to express themselves culturally in understanding it, but he's got a great organisation as in Western society, European organization of the game of football. That's the difference. And that's what he's done. They're definitely the best team, obviously, in Africa, winning the African Cup of Nations. I think Saudi Amane is going to play a part. And I think messaging to the players is going to play the biggest part. Because sometimes when I look at these African nations, if I'm going to be very critical, once it gets to these kind of World Cup stages, there becomes a bit of selfishness and too much individuality where players are shooting from 60, 70 yards where anything else they wouldn't do it, but it's to try and grab attention and catch attention to try and get a move because some of these players might be playing in not so luxurious leagues. But when you've got Senegal and you look at the talent they've got and a lot of the players playing in top leagues in Europe, that kind of eliminates that kind of silly mentality, as I call it. And now I think there'll be a lot more focus because a lot of these guys are already playing in top leagues in Europe. They're already there. Now it's to take a nation and the continent of Africa to another level. So I think... That definitely needs to be something that's mentioned, but I can see them doing well, getting out of the group stages like yourself. And again, it depends how far they'll go, but definitely out of the group stages for me. Jay? Yeah, I think uh, I can see Senegal definitely coming uh, as one of the top two teams in this group. I had them pegged to come uh, behind the Netherlands. Obviously, there's quite a few players in this squad, um, you know, given the links with uh, French football who I've seen playing here in Ligue 1, Ligue 2 over the years. Uh, My biggest question, I think, for this Senegal side is, you know, if Sadio Mane is not fully fit and we assume that he's probably not going to be for at least a couple of the the group stage games, is where the goals come from. Because you've got players who could potentially step up and be that source of goals, but they don't do it on a regular basis. I think Brulidea would probably be my pick to be the kind of guy who could provide a a semi-regular source of goals. But, you know, since he left France, uh, you know, he had his moments with Villarreal, especially in the Champions League last season, but he's moved on again to Salernitana. And I just feel like there's... I didn't know there's kind of a lot of um, responsibility on uh, on Sadio Mane's shoulders, not only for what he does on the pitch, but sort of for who he is off the pitch as well. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how other star players as well, the likes of Idrissa Gay, you know, some of these guys who are getting on a bit now, Sheikou Kuate as well, uh, you know, hold up in, uh, in, in this competition because Kudabali has looked a bit off the pace since he joined Chelsea. So... Yeah. I do think that there are some questions, despite the fact that I fancy them to finish in the top two. 
Yeah, I'm with you both there. And obviously, if they do finish uh, second in the group, there, there's a possibility that they could face England in the knockout stages, which is going to be very interesting to watch indeed. Um, and as Nigel just pointed out there, um, Ali Usise has been in charge for a long time now. So you can tell that the chemistry, that this group looked like it's completely bought into his ideas, the way they want to play. But also, I, I love the chemistry. I love the way that they're playing with this passion, this enthusiasm for life. And when you get to a World Cup stage, and this is a great opportunity for them to showcase for Africa, watch out for what Senegal could do. I hope Mane's 100%. I hope he can give everything he's got because if he can, they have every chance of creating some big, big upsets in this competition. But whether they can make it to the quarterfinals and further will be soon to be determined. Um, let's move on. We'll move on quickly to Ecuador and Qatar. We'll start with Ecuador real quickly. Um, obviously, coming into this competition, they do have a, a good coach in Alfaro. Um, they have some key players that they can rely on heavily. Um, they're not favourites to get out of the group, but I think they'll push Senegal very, very closely and possibly cause some troubles to the Netherlands as well. JJ, can you see anything from Ecuador? I mean, they're could be trouble. I mean, they've started to have a few players representing them now in uh, Europe. I know that all eyes are going to be on Moises uh, Saicedo, uh, you know, but they've got other guys as well, like um, Piero uh, Hincapié at um, Bayer Leverkusen as well. So, and Jackson Prodozo as well, who I think's had a fairly decent start to the season for quite an inconsistent trois. Uh, you know, and there are a couple of guys there, I think, who play in, uh, in MLS as well. So I do think that there is some quality in that group. And to be honest, I think it could be quite close between them and Senegal to get out of the group behind the Dutch. But if I had to put them in order, I'd say that Ecuador are probably my third favourite to emerge from the group at this moment. I'll have to agree with JJ on that, mate. I don't think there's much more for me to add. I think Saicedo is definitely going to be the heartbeat of this Ecuador team. Um, I think more than anything, it's going to be a good learning process. They continue to develop the talent that they have coming through and the more experience they get, probably in... in, in uh, European football, so to speak, the more beneficial it will be for them. But I still see Senegal getting ahead of them. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how they do, though, Ecuador. I think they could surprise a lot of people because not many people are talking about them getting out of the group, and that includes us as well. But watch out, a couple of LAFC winners of Major League Soccer and amongst that group is Stupinan also, who's been terrific for Brighton. They are a team to be worried about. Not so much can we say about Qatar, the home nation, obviously going into this competition, we don't know much about their squad. I've watched them play against uh, the USA, obviously uh, recently over the last year, I was pretty impressed with the quality and ability. I find it very difficult to see so many home domestically based players having any chance of causing an upset, but in that opening game, I mean, let's not forget this. Qatar moved the opening game to play ahead of obviously um, Senegal and the ne Netherlands so that they could get all the attention. They play Ecuador. Do they have any chance whatsoever, Nigel, Qatar? Any chance? Not really. I wouldn't say it's completely like, I, I love to look at the glass half full, not half empty. But um, no, nah, I think Ecuador's just got too much for them. I don't really know too much about Qatar. I think it's more more so any of a, of a feel-good factor, feel-good thing, obviously with the World Cup being held in Qatar. But in all seriousness, you'd have to say that Ecuador will probably beat them. JJ? I think as well, uh, you know, cast our minds back to some of the World Cups gone by, Japan and South Korea, South Africa, you know, they come into this Qatar as a bit of an unknown quantity because we didn't really know too much about those sides either. Uh, you know, and there is always this eagerness, uh, you know, to perform and to, to show something, especially in the opening match. I mean, South Africa scored the opening goal in their own World Cup. Uh, and obviously, South Korea, uh, you know, really made an impression uh, in the knockout phase as well, uh, you know, when they had the World Cup on home soil. So I think that to an extent, uh, you know, 
people will be watching that opening game very, very intently. Certainly, you know, the Group A opponents to to work out exactly what they're going to be up against when they come up against Qatar. I don't think it'll be enough to get them out of the group, but could it land them a, a shock result or two? You know, perhaps being able to hold the likes of an Ecuador, maybe even a Senegal to a draw. Sure, I, I, I think there is the possibility of that. But to be honest, I also think that there is quite a possibility that they show well for themselves in the opening game and then kind of fall away. Well, our Vic has been very into the conversation so far, saying that the earlier Qatar gets dumped out, the better. Thanks for everything you did for us and to us, Qatar. Comment coming in from Vic right there. Also mentioning spot on about Senegal. They want bigger moves, but Senegal players are already set for that one. So he agrees with you, Nigel. Matt Osman, Moises Caicedo is an absolute beast. That wraps up Qatar. But let's not forget about the home nation. They are coached by Felix Sanchez, who's been coaching them for the last five or six years, I believe. Um, so there is a recognition that they could obviously try and get something from that first game, but Ecuador, I would imagine, are the favourites. Let's move on to Group B. Lots to discuss here. Um, should we start with England? Not sure. Two Englishmen in the chat here with me. No, nah, let's do England US. last. Let's start with the Yanks. Let's go All USA. Right. Let's start with the U.S. Um, obviously, Nigel, living in the United States of America for a while, you've fallen in love with the U.S. national team and Greg Berhalter, <laughs> uh, currently ranked 19th in the FIFA World Rankings. Key players, obviously, we recognize how dangerous they could possibly be. Sorry, 14th they are in the FIFA rankings. Um, they have Christian Pulisic, they've got Gio Reyna, they've got Weston McKinney, they've got players playing in big nations. They are a, t- a team that you have to be worried about. Can they top the group? Do they have any chance of topping the group? Can they get second? Can they get out no. of the group? That would be the question. No. Uh, listen, Ian, I'm going to be very honest. I think for me, again, I, I like USA. They've got talent. Like you said, a lot more younger players are playing in Europe. Some of them are playing in Europe. Some of them are not. The captain, fantastic, hasn't really been playing regularly at Chelsea. This is a World Cup. You have to go on form because you're going straight into it, ladies and gentlemen. There's no time to get fit. There's no time for friendlies. You're going straight into a World Cup. And the reality of it is this. There's going to be a lot of injuries happening in the first two or three games of this World Cup just because you're in that winter period anyway when players start to get injured more if they're playing domestic football anyway. So for me, your main star man, Christian Pulisic, hasn't been playing. That's a big worry. I saw the performances like yourself did against Japan and also Saudi Arabia, and he wasn't great or very convincing for me. I think Greg's gone very young, which isn't a problem, but I always say to you, Ian, whenever a manager comes in and starts saying they want to go young and want to go youthful, I have questions about that manager. That means that you can't handle senior players who might not buy into your philosophy or who you might feel might be disruptive if you want to go young. And when you want to go young and then you're seeing the results, the performances, there's not one American fan that can tell me that they were happy with the performance they saw against Japan or South Korea. I mean, sorry, or Saudi Arabia, your last two performances before you go into a World Cup. And then now when you've done that and eliminated a lot of the senior players or more experienced players, it's hard to bring them back in to buy into it. You always have to have a balance. All the best teams we see in world football have a balance of experience and youth. I just feel for me that USA right now are just not in a great shape where they can really do anything. I think Wales are heavily underrated and Wales have been doing fantastically well for the squad and players that they have. Uh, We saw what Gareth Bell did in obviously the... MLS Cup final, what he's capable of um, with the experience. And then I think for me, you look at England squad, obviously we're going to get into it. But I'm just think for me, this America squad for me is just not a right place right now. I think as well, my main takeaway from going through the American squad as it was dropping, uh, Nigel and I did that last week, was the real kind of lack of firepower. I mean, with the, with the exception of Pulisic, 
and Jordan Morris in terms of the attack. In fact, in terms of anyone in the squad, I don't think anyone else has got even in double figures. You've got some, you know, very interesting omissions. And I know that he wasn't a staple uh, in the in the team and he's only sort of come onto the international scene now. But PFOC, you kind of think that, you know, given the way that he's performed so far in the season with Union Berlin might have been a useful call-up. Uh, you've got the likes of Pepe as well, who, yes, despite the fact that he hasn't had an easy introduction to life in European football, suddenly is starting to find the back of the net in the Netherlands as well. To me, uh, you know, I think, again, uh, you know, there is a bit like Mane with uh, Senegal, there is a lot of expectation and pressure uh, on the likes of Pulisic because I don't see otherwise where there is that real kind of quality cutting edge in front of goal. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Pulisic a, a reliable source of goals either. So for me, I think, you know, for the USA to really have a chance to get out of the group, there needs to be more of a, a consistent goal threat. And I, I think that opening test against Wales is going to be a very, very good indicator to, to see where this uh, group is at. Because as you guys have both alluded to, the recent form uh, shown in uh, at international level just hasn't been convincing enough. Nigel, just so lively in our personal chat. I appreciate your conversation. No, right Ian, there. but he's right. He's right. Because I didn't pay attention to that. And he's 100% right. You know, Ian, as well. When you see a World Cup, one of the most important things you need in the World Cup is a clinical goal scorer. You need to have a striker that's going to be clinical because you're not going to get a lot of chances. And when you don't be clinical, you will be punished. And JJ, mate, he's very, very right. My concern about this roster is defense. It's not about what's happening offensively. I think that they create a lot of chances to the US and they could be dangerous going forward. But I think the, the centre-back situation for me and, and lack of World Cup experience in this group, obviously missing out in 2018, this is a young group, as you both point out. That's where my main concern is. And then you have the goalkeeping issue as well on top of that. The Nozak Stefan will bring in Matt Turner, who's had four or five caps. Then you've got Sean Johnson coming in, obviously for Major League Soccer, coming to the end of his uh, probably international career great to see him a part of it but defensively is my main concern for Greg and obviously being a defender himself um, he was an absolute wild man so I really hope that they they do well the USA I, they do have my full support obviously I am an American don't be fooled by the accent and I'm incredibly excited about <laughs> how well they do let's talk about Wales very quickly um, obviously they're in the group competing with the USA and Iran for that second spot um, Wales do have um, a, a tremendous player in Gareth Bale I don't know how fit he is. Obviously scored a great goal in the MLS Cup final, but they've also got good experience. But is that experience and quality good enough to get Wales out of this group? Do they have a chance, JJ? I do think they have a chance. I mean, you look at some of the other players as well, because the, the temptation when you talk about Wales is just to focus on Gareth Bale. And yes, we know that he's their captain, fantastic, and is by far and away, you know, the most talented player in their squad. Yet they still have, uh, you know, some very, uh, you know, familiar cornerstones to this group. Uh, you know, I think that the the manager has done really well since coming in in the in the wake of the, uh, you know, the the scandal with uh, with Ryan Giggs. Uh, you know, and I think that this squad is you know it is exactly that it's it's a united group of players that there are some you know with better quality than we perhaps sometimes give them credit for let's not forget as well Aaron Ramsey in terms of the experience he brings I know he's quite fragile on the pitch these days but he's definitely somebody who has an appetite for for these kind of games at this sort of level I've been 
quietly impressed with Joe Roden so far this season with Wren. Uh, you know, it's quite rare for me to see a British player come over to France. So to see him up close regularly, uh, you know, has been quite interesting. Uh, and I think that Wales, in terms of the continuity that they've had in international tournaments now for sort of the last couple of editions, I think that they're a solid bet to be really competitive in terms of finishing second. My expectation is that England will finish top of the group, but I think that Wales do stand, uh, you know, a very good chance of, uh, of of coming out in one of those top two positions. And I think when you look through that squad, there's a couple of players who, you know, are now past that 100 cap mark and having that kind of experience, even if those players aren't on the pitch every game, uh, you know, I think that that is really important to, to get them through, especially as we've already talked about the inexperience or the relative lack of experience of the USMNT. Now your tournament experience, like uh, JJ said, great management, know what they're doing, not just about um, Gareth Bell. You've got Harry Wilson, Daniel James. You've got some real good gems and talent in Wales. I'm telling you, people yeah, need Brennan to Johnson on Wales. Wales is, is a really well-coached, well-organized team. And that's why I feel that they will probably do a lot better than people expect. They've got great tournament experience recently, and they've really got a great nucleus. That's all I have to say. Also incredibly patriotic. I think people forget that about Wales. When they get to big tournaments, they are well-supported. They're also very passionate. The locker room, the chemistry, the way they push themselves and um, don't necessarily need to listen to their, their ranking in uh, FIFA at all. I think that this Welsh, Welsh team are well-coached. As you mentioned, Robert Page has done a great job considering how much of a mess it was in the coaching ranks with Ryan Giggs and now the situation's been taken care of. Page deserves a lot of credit for getting this Welsh team to the World Cup and they will absolutely go there and enjoy it. They will enjoy every single minute of it. So I worry about Wales and I also worry about Iran. Iran are a team that nobody is talking about right now. Iran are a team that are pretty much close to home. Let's not forget this is taking place in Qatar. So they're going to be well supported, Iran, um, and certainly feeling a bit more at home. And they have some talented players playing in some big leagues. And not many people are talking about Iran right now, JJ. Should they be talking more about him? I mean, I think a lot of people are talking about Iran, but they're not talking about Iran from a footballing perspective. They're talking about what's going on in the country, which is obviously, yeah. uh, you know, quite concerning, uh, you know, from a, from a worldwide point of view. But also, uh, you know, it creates, uh, you know, a kind of strange environment for Iran to go into this, uh, you know, this World Cup. And there's been a lot of uh, sort of speculation and a bit of confusion about, uh, you know, players that, Iran will actually call up or might not call up because of the the political situation, uh, you know. But fingers crossed, uh, you know they can they can get out on the pitch, uh, you know. And those players, uh, you know, can show what they're capable of doing, uh, you know. And I think Iran are, are one of those teams who, when you look at some of those individuals, there are you know some quite high talented uh you know individuals there you know you've got the likes of Sada Asmun uh Bayer Leverkusen somebody who's been on the scene in Europe now for a while Taremi who's doing really well uh in Europe with uh with Porto at the moment so you know I do think that they're one of those teams where you know because of this over focus on on what's been going on in a non-footballing aspect you know people might actually be surprised when they get out onto the pitch and start kicking the ball around and they can actually play Nigel, I'm, I'm with JJ. I think Iran always a surprise entity. They've got some great talent. They really do. But I don't know how it'll be, how easy it will be for them because this is not a normal World Cup. And like you said, there's a lot of attention being paid to what's going on back home. I feel that's going to play a part in this World Cup. I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, let's just say, politics in this World Cup, not just everything about the World Cup. So, but they are a talented team. They do always produce that. They're going to be, a, they're not going to be an easy team to beat. They're going to be very hard to beat. 
but I still see uh, England and Wales being able to get the job done. Iran can score goals. If you look at the squad and the roster that was selected from Iran, there's goals in amongst their ranks there. JJ rattled off a few names for you, but if you go and look at the goals they've scored for the national team, they're a team you have to be worried about. Obviously, we know what the coach is. He's been around for such a long time, Kiraj. We recognize him and we understand what's going on back home, but also don't forget that that is what can bring a group of players together. So watch out for Iran causing an upset because right now, absolutely nobody is talking about them. And one of the reasons why is because England are in the group. England are favourites to get out of the group. England are favourites to go far in this competition. First game is against Iran for England. Um, squad selection was obviously a headache for Gareth Southgate. So many people have a comment to say, Nigel, about the England squad and the squad that was selected. Is the squad good enough to potentially win the World Cup? It's a good squad. I don't know if I'd say good enough to win it because when I look at the squad, you've got to look at the other nations and other squads that they've put in there. And uh, I think England have a good squad. I think Gareth Southgate is basically opening himself for criticism. Depends on how far England goes because there's some selection that's very difficult to palate in this current climate. Big fan of, um, uh, oh my God, <laughs> Carl Walker. He's my mate. I played with him as well. But he's gone into the squad with Must Calvin. Good mate. Yeah, he's my mate. Good mate. <laughs> They've gone into the squad without really playing. Harry Maguire doesn't play. So there's a lot of questions. Some people are questioning whether Marcus Rashford really deserves to be in there. Callum Wilson has been called up on great form at Newcastle, but again, can get injured. And you look at the likes of Ivan Tony not being able to go. I personally feel that... Um, <laughs> look at Matt always. I also feel that for me, when I look at Harry Kane, and I said this in our private group chat, Ian, yep. Harry Kane looks tired. And he will play for England, but he looks tired. In the bigger picture of things, he looks absolutely exhausted. So I would say, again, this is about how far England get. And then after that, it's going to be the criticism because of the squad that Gareth um, Southgate picked that he's going to have to deal with. But I look at other squads that I just feel are just too much, too much, too stronger than England. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think something as well that's quite interesting when I look at it, um, you know, and sort of moving away from looking at the the individuals and looking at the collective as a whole, you know, this is something that we'd normally associate with the likes of Germany in the past, but England actually have a really, really high concentration of players that play in the same league. 25 out of 26 players, I believe, uh, with Jude Bellingham being the only exception. And I, on, I've, always, I've always thought that that, you know, really contributes towards the the, the 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 solidarity within the group you know when you play in the same league you know each other's strengths and weaknesses you know that can always contribute towards uh you know the the, the chemistry the understanding being a lot stronger Nigel's disagreeing with me here I disagree I, I think the fact that this group has been together or the crux of this group has been together now for quite some time under the same manager you know, on, on paper, it should, you know, match up quite well and and be conducive to another deep run, potentially even a shot at the title. I just kind of feel like that moment, that real opportunity for England, uh, you know, to get themselves international silverware, the best opportunity came on home soil in the Euros. Uh, and I'm not sure that they will be able to replicate it here because there are some of those mitigating factors, as Nigel said, uh, you know, with the the fatigue of the likes of uh, Kane. So no, it's, it is going to be really, uh, really interesting. But for me, I, I think England have to win this group. No, they can't assume that they've won it before they even step out on the pitch, but they definitely have the squad that's capable of winning this group. 
JJ, I actually have England getting through and facing off against France in the quarterfinals. I don't know how you've put your bracket, but is that a possibility you can see? And are they good enough to beat France, obviously knowing the French team so well? I do think that they're good enough. I do think that they're good enough to beat France, but France as well, uh, you know, JJ. are good enough to be able to beat England. It's uh, what? Did you just say you think they're good enough to beat France? Yeah, I do, because I don't think France Defensive. are going to be defensively England are super vulnerable yeah, but, and but France's I mean, greatest you know, strength is the attacking sense yeah I can't but, see that but we don't know what France's midfield is going to look like yet because they've had Pogba they've had Conte ripped out of it so until they actually get out there on the pitch and show us you know what they can do Chouamini you want me to pronounce it again so you can have a laugh and a joke uh, we, all know, we all know what he's ca- we all know what he we all know what he's capable of but we don't actually know you know, what France are going to look like in terms of a team uh, until they get out. I mean, you look at some of the changes that were forced upon Deschamps earlier today, Kimpembe out, you know, suddenly you've got uh, Desazi coming in, uh, you've got Marcus Turam getting a late call up. So, you know, in terms of France specifically, and that's another chat for another day, uh, you know, there are, you know, quite a lot of uh, of question marks. So in terms of the, the squads on paper, yeah, England could beat France, but France could beat England as well. There's a lot of talent in both of those sides. Yeah, I agree with you. Some great comments coming in right here. Probably uh, a few that I shouldn't mention, but this one I'm going to absolutely mention coming in from Vic. Nigel, I'm setting up my betting predictions based on your advice, so don't make me regret this, oh. brother. Wow! I absolutely love it. Group is very Des, interesting. Go ahead. Des, when we come back, just put the table, the group predictions for the Champions League <laughs> and just show where I'm at, right? Where JJ and I are at by just one game. Well, don't forget that we're actually going to do our predictions all the way through the World Cup as well, Nigel. So be very careful where you predict because Vic is also putting his money on you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we'll have a look at Group C and Dio will get to some of your comments as well. Nigel Rio Coker, Jonathan Johnson and Ian Joy, you're watching House of Champions. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing... To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back. You're watching House of Champions. There are no breaks in the soccer calendar. And to celebrate that fact, Paramount Plus is offering listeners 50% annual savings on P-plus subscriptions. UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, UEFA Conference, Serie A, NWSL, and so much more. Click the link in the description or scan the QR code on the screen and use offer code all year to save 50% on your annual P-plus subscription. Nigel Real Coker, where's the QR code? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. Enjoy with the lads preview in the World Cup groups. Let's get stuck into Group C and D. We're going to rattle through these a lot quicker than we did do the previous groups. Let's start with Group C and Argentina, Poland, Saudi Arabia, and Mexico. Tough group to predict this one. Potentially, who's going to finish second? I've got Argentina finishing top. So let's begin with Argentina, JJ. They are obviously one of the favorites to win this competition. Can they win this competition? How easy do they make the group look? Yeah, I think they can win the competition. I actually have them down to go all the way. I think it'll be a, a fairy tale end to, uh, to Lionel Messi's uh, career. You, we know how much he's coveted, uh, you know, this success at international level. But I don't think that Argentina should consider the job done. You know, there are potential pitfalls even in the group. I think if they apply themselves, yeah, I could, I could see them being maybe one of the few teams to get maximum points, uh, you know, from these matches. But, uh, you know, they will have to be, uh, you know, very pragmatic. Uh, they've done well under Scaloni so far, uh, obviously reigning South American champions as well. It just feels like things are starting to fall in place for them to have a, you know, a really good go at it. Obviously, we don't know what will happen between the tournament starting and ending. But, uh, you know, if everyone stays fit and healthy, I see no reason why Argentina can't be sort of there in the semifinals uh, or the final itself and potentially going all the way. Tough team. Tremendous amount of talent. And as we all know, ladies and gentlemen, JJ wants Messi to win the World Cup. He's already put it out there a few times. Don't but, we all? No, I don't. You don't want him to win it? I don't want Messi to win it. No. Anyway, um, I think they're a great team. I think what Lionel Scaloni's done, an old teammate of mine, is what he has found a way to do is make Messi fit in the team for, at international level. And there isn't that heavy burden put on Lionel Messi that he has to be the one to win it for Argentina. They're really working in a great team format and it's working fantastically well. We're not going to see the old Lionel Messi of picking up the ball and having to beat three or four players and score a goal. He really has become a facilitator and Lionel Scaloni has done it well. And they're a great team. And I think they're working in that and that's what makes them very dangerous now. It's not just all on Messi's shoulders. And that's why I think they've got a real, real great chance Tremendous amount of talent, players playing around the world, and they got top players. I agree with you, but I do think that it would be such a beautiful sight to see Lionel Messi lift that trophy. And I'm with you, JJ. I think they are going to go very deep in the competition. I don't have them winning it, but I would love to see him win the World Cup. Let's move oh, on to... I do not have an Argentinian passport as well, Nigel, so don't worry about that one. <laughs> Just the three for me. Let's move on to Poland. Him winning it. All right. What about <laughs> Ronaldo? You don't want Ronaldo to win it for Portugal, eh? Shut up, Nigel Rio Coker, so we can move on to Poland. All right, Poland have obviously got a, a very, very good squad. They are um, obviously a nation that not many people are speaking about and doing damage in this competition. I have them getting out of the group here, Nigel. Poland, obviously, they have Lewandowski. I get it, but they've also got some really talented players in midfield, defense, and offense where they can cause a problem. They also have players who are on the bench trying to get into the starting 11. I, th I think they're a really dangerous side. What can Poland do? I always look, I don't know how JJ feels, but I always look at Poland. When it comes to producing talent and young players, that's never been an issue for Poland. They do. They have some top players. But overall, when they come together as a team, 
I always look at Poland as that team that's always trying to get in that top four, like always making the edge European tournament or something along that. And that's how I see Poland again. They've got Lewandowski. There's going to be a heavily reliance on him getting goals and being clinical. They have a good team, but I just don't see anything beyond that. I think that's just how I always look at Poland. That team always trying to climb into getting that top four, always competing to push people in the top four. And that's always been Poland for so many years. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, Poland are one of those teams that have been in development now sort of, you know, for the best part of the last 10 years, certainly since they joint hosted the the Euros. And, you know, they have some quality elements now. Uh, you know, you've it's not just about Lewandowski. You know, you have other players capable of scoring goals. Uh, you've got the, the likes of Milik when he's fit. Uh, you know, you've got some really good players in the in the midfield as well. Zielinski, for example, is part of a really, really good uh, Napoli side at the moment. I just feel like when they get together at international level and I don't know if it's something to do with the with with the mix of players the chemistry or what or or whether it's that they don't necessarily have or haven't had in the past as much international experience together as they maybe have at club level but something just doesn't quite click I mean I have them just missing out to Mexico uh, for second place in this group which uh, I realize based on form is a fairly bold pick but Mexico at the end of the day have that international experience. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But uh, you know, maybe Poland will make me look stupid, but I think so much of what happens for Poland at this World Cup still depends on Lewandowski scoring the goals. They're still, you know, not uh, you know, completely impregnable at the back. Uh, and some of the the key elements of this side are getting on now and not necessarily the players that they once were. I mean, look at the likes of Glick, Krikowiak, uh, you know, Grzycki, all sort of, you know, mid-30s now, not certainly nowhere near the same level of performance as Lewandowski. Yeah, you're forgetting that uh, famous F Chicago Fire uh, midfielder as well, Frankowski, who's doing so well for Lons and France. JJ, you know, brought his name up there. Um, I will turn well, my you, attention you, to you, you guys. You guys don't want this uh, show to go on for another hour, do you? I just didn't want to be associated <laughs> with anything to do with Mexico getting out of this group. That's why I hid my head. Let's turn our attention to Mexico right now. Um, obviously, being a former U.S. national team player, I absolutely hated playing against Mexico, and I hope that they always fail. And I know there's a lot of Mexican fans out there who tune into our show. I love you personally, but I just don't like the Mexican national team. So I'm okay saying that. Bring it to me. Nigel Rio Coker, you heard it from JJ right there. He thinks that Mexico will get through the group. S27 says Mexico will not get through the group this time. What do you have, Nigel Rio? Listen, I love Mexico. I love Mexico. I've always loved the Mexican national team because there's always great high expectations. But right now, what I've seen recently in performances and even against the US national side, they've lost, what, two times now against them. Mexico right now, if they're honest with themselves, they're in that redevelopment phase. They're in that phase of redeveloping and getting new and the new generation of players through. I have no expectations for Mexico to make it out of this group. I'm really disappointed in what I've seen so far. And I can't see Mexico getting out of this group. I really feel that Argentina and Poland are stronger. That's all I have to say on Mexico. JJ, why do you think that they will get out of this group? What is it about this Mexico side? Obviously, I've watched them all the way through CONCACAF qualifying and, and studied them intensely. They have a great squad. Um, I, they have one of the most controversial coaches in uh, Tata Martino as well that doesn't help the situation. But to me, what I'm seeing from this Mexico is that even though they, on paper they are uh, talented and they play at good clubs, to me, this is one of the weakest Mexican national sides I've ever seen go to a World Cup. Maybe they surprise us, but I'm just... 
I'm not fancying them this year. You just said great squad. I don't think they've got a great squad. On I paper, really on paper though, Nigel, okay. they're playing in, in good clubs around the world. I think on paper, they individually, they are a talented group, but together, don't see it. JJ, sorry. I mean, for me, at the end of the day, it came down to a, a you know going between Mexico and Poland, and I went for Mexico because of the the greater international experience. Uh, you know, I think they've got some really key veterans who can still perform. You've got guys like Ochoa, guys like Guadado, Moreno. Uh, I do think it's kind of risky to be banking quite heavily on somebody like Raul Jimenez, who just, you know, you hasn't really been able to play that much in the last 18 months. Obviously, shame. horrible what happened to him. Uh, you know, and, and fingers crossed he can get back to his best one day. It does feel like there's a lot riding on it. I don't think there's going to be too much in it. I'm just going for Mexico solely because of that uh, greater experience uh, at international level playing together. I will say this, though, when it comes to the big competitions, JJ, they always seem to step up and find a way Mexico to get out of groups and cause some problems. And I always, certainly I always see them being a nation that you don't want to play when it comes to a World Cup, that's for sure, because they do seem to come together as a nation. Um, personally, just hope that they fail. Let's move on to Saudi Arabia, who the other team in this group. Nigel, anything to offer here from uh, Saudi Arabia? I watched them just- recently, a talented group, well-coached as well. French coach, JJ, you can jump in on that one. But they've got some talent in this group, man. No, just honestly, I was impressed. I was impressed in how they play, the style of play. And you could see what the foundation of what they're trying to do is. And as we know, once you get into the World Cup, it's it's a different kind of environment, different, different atmosphere. And uh, I was impressed, but I just still feel that they, they're still in that development stage. The quality and the experience that they're coming up against is way more than beyond anything that they can really handle or be capable of springing like a major upset but there's a great foundation of their playing from the back playing through the midfield a little bit of talent there but just I think it's just going to be a bit too far from them in this this tournament maybe in future tournaments you'll have to take them a lot more seriously Mm-hmm. I think Hervé Renard is uh, you know, a very, very good coach at this level, got a lot of international experience, has had success with various national teams, uh, you know, notably on the African continent in the last couple of years. So I, I think that they're one of those teams that you underestimate at your at your peril. I wouldn't say they've got too many real like solid veterans in terms of sort of like being in their mid-30s guys who are like, you know, pushing on you know, 200 kind of caps, but they've got guys who are sort of in the prime of their, their career, like their prime years, uh, you know, and I think given the improved performances in international tournaments in the last couple of years, I I think they could make a fist out of potentially getting into, I don't know, third, maybe in this group, uh, you know, finishing above a Mexico or a Poland, but I just, I, I, without seeing them on the pitch and how they're going to perform in one of their opening matches, I can't, you know, sort of see better for them than than third at this moment. Yeah, it's a good job they've got Argentina in their first game on Tuesday, the 22nd of November. Good luck to Saudi Arabia, even if it is a talented group and uh, certainly a talented coach when it comes to the African ranks. He's really impressed me. A couple of comments before we move on to Group D. Um, one coming from Vic. He said, no chance. The coach of the Mexican national team is absolutely killing them. They should have fired him a long time ago. Cousin says, Argentina, Mexico to get through. Oscar says, Mexico will get through because they're destined not to go through to the final 16. Interesting there. And then we we just got Hachim just came in and said the Polish goalkeeper just got injured. So interesting comment coming in right there. Let's move on to Group D. Um, obviously, 
so many talented uh, teams in the competition, but few better than what we're seeing from the French. They're tipped to top the group. Uh, Denmark are favourites to finish second in the group, and then it's a battle for that third place who could potentially spring a surprise would be Tunisia and Australia. Um, let's begin with France, seeing as though we're going to spend more time talking about them. Uh, certainly controversial. A lot of people talk about the, co- the chemistry, but there's no doubting the talent that this French roster has. It was difficult to leave players out of this group, JJ. I mean, they have so many players. There are a lot of disappointed faces I have seen around on social media when it comes to not getting into this French roster. I've got a feeling that when it comes to the big competition, France are going to really turn up. I have them going all the way to the final. I don't care about all the shit that's going on behind the scenes with uh, (laughs) off-the-field incidents and maybe, you know, people wanting to be the main man. I believe this French group will come together in the big competition. I, I can understand why people uh, are very optimistic for France. And at the end of the day, we all know they have one of the most talented squads. They have some of the best, you know, youth reserves, uh, you know, in the entire world, if not the best. Uh, you know, there's certainly dynastic potential there. I've been saying it for years. But the fact of the matter is Didier Deschamps is uh, a manager who thrives on familiarity, experience, sort of big tournament um you know, um, collective uh, experience together. And that's something that he's not going to have now that he's had certain individuals ripped away from him. No Paul Pogba, no N'Golo Conte. That means restructuring the midfield. Yes, in terms of the attack, you know, France have the potential to be absolutely deadly. When you can put guys like Mbappe, Benzema out on the pitch, have Giroud on the bench, yes, goals shouldn't be that much of an issue. But look at the defence a little more closely. You know, How many natural right-backs or left-backs do you see in that squad? Mm-hmm. You know, assuming that the Deschamps goes with a back four, which is supposedly what he's going to try, you know, you've suddenly got four centre backs playing, uh, you know, with two of them playing a, as full backs. I think that that creates some immediate weaknesses, especially when you've seen that Benjamin Pavard, despite his World Cup heroics in 2018, in my opinion, is perhaps, you know, at the very limit, a squad a squad player at best at international level. Uh, you know, I, I feel that there are some vulnerabilities that better sides will be able to, to pick out. And that's why this group and France's hopes of finishing top will depend on that game against Denmark for me. I mean, I don't need to add too much to that. JJ is obviously well knowledgeable on France, living out there and drinking wine and having fancy cheese. Um, there's never ever been any kind of debate about the talent that France produces. France always produced tremendous talent. I will still go against Ian and I do believe that if these guys can get together, they can definitely make a run, like Jay says, all the way to the final. If if something doesn't happen to uh, start in the dressing room or whatever it is, whether it's an ego thing or anything like that, they can. And I agree with JJ that they do have vulnerability, but France's approach, and this is probably going to be what DDA Deschamps' last tournament in charge of France, more than likely for reading between the lines. He has to go best form of attack is attacking. They have to play all and out attacking football and really go for it. And with the talent that they have, they can play that. And Mbappe is at his best when he has a striker. So if it's Giroud or Benzema starting up front and Mbappe can play off that striker, they're a very dangerous side. They've got some youngsters that's been forced upon Deschamps to be picking. And I think they're not going to have that fear factor and they're going to surprise a lot of people, in my opinion. I'm with you. If I look at my bracket, which I am right now, I have France playing against Poland in the round of 16, England in the quarterfinals, uh, Belgium in the semifinal, and then, of course, Brazil, I have them in the final. So the run to the World Cup final certainly will not be an easy one, but there's just... 
when you win a competition with a with with a a young star in in Mbappe and you see him witness what he has done individually since then, I believe he's a better player now, JJ, than he was back then. My personal opinion. I know he's obviously got this great aura around him and he, and he wants to be uh, the superstar at Paris Saint-Germain, but I I just think that on the biggest stage when it comes down to it, especially when it comes to playing for your country, Players excel, players get better. And Mbappe will recognize that this is his stage where he has once already achieved and had success, that he can do it again. And the players around him, just absolutely fantastic. This squad of players is unreal. And then, of course, you think of what they have up top. You throw in a, a Karim Benzema now to this group. They've gotten better offensively than what they were when they won the World Cup. Don't see teams being able to stop France uh, from scoring goals. And I certainly think that they'll do some damage. Uh, enough from me. Let's move on to Denmark, who a lot of people are tipping uh, to finish second in this group and potentially do some damage in the knockout stages. Um, they have a, 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 a top squad here. S27's been at me all the time about underestimating Denmark. Yeah, I do underestimate Denmark a little bit. JJ's not underestimating them at all. He thinks they are a real threat and everybody should be worried. And they absolutely should. I said they'd finish first. I put Denmark to finish first. Denmark are a great team. I think France will finish second, but Denmark are a great team. And for you Man United fans out there, you can thank Christian Eriksen because he's the best signing you guys have made in a long time at Manchester United. But they're a well-coached team, hungry, and they are the surprise package. They are the dark horses of this tournament for me. That's what I personally believe with Denmark. Great talent, great experience. Players are playing all across Europe in big leagues. And um, they're a team. They're really a team. If you say team, Denmark should be the one that everyone looks at, have everyone in this tournament. Denmark is really a team. And uh, Christian Eriksen is going to be vital, as we always know. Um, and I think that they'll finish top of the group and France will finish second. Wow. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't disagree with, uh, you know, the, with, with, with Nigel's sentiment. I think the thing about the, the, da the Danish national team is that defense is extremely solid. There's a lot of familiarity within the players. If I had to really be picky, I'd say that they perhaps could be a little more prolific in attack in terms of having a, you know, a really true recognized goal uh, top goal scorer. I mean, I think you've got three guys who've got just over 10 goals, but nobody who, you know, really, really, you know, racks up the goals aside from Ericsson. And obviously Ericsson plays a bit further back in the midfield. And also, and I think, goalkeeper has now developed into a bit of a question mark for Denmark. I haven't been impressed by Kasper Schmeichel since he arrived in Ligue 1 with Nice. I think there are, uh, you know, given his importance to this Danish team, uh, you know, I think it's understandable that people might be wondering, uh, you know, if his uh, his best years are behind him. We'll see. We'll see if he brings it out for, uh, you know, the big international tournament. But this Danish side going to be very solid, very difficult to beat. And it really wouldn't surprise me to see them beat out France to, to top spot. Well, just a reminder, if they don't finish top, they could potentially be facing Argentina in the, the round of 16. So that also tells you that the importance of France finishing top of this group, because they certainly don't want to play Argentina in the knockout stage. Oscar, Nigel out here printing money for us. Obviously, he's already put bets on you, Dude, Nigel. We need to put a public service announcement out to people. Like These are all predictions. Anything can happen from now to next week for these World Cup. <laughs> We've seen it before where players could step on the train. Should have put a down payment for a house after this World Cup. Thanks, Nigel. I mean, that's going to be a pretty small house. Is it like one of those one of those Monopoly houses? Don't be taking me too seriously because anything can happen in this World Cup. Let's just say because some players are vital for some nations. And if one or two injuries happen to key players, then it can be a complete different look. But 
for now, if everyone's fit, I'm still sticking I'm, to my I'm, guns. I'm sensing you're nervous, Nigel, just a little bit here that people want to put money on your predictions. I mean, you've I'm been sure so they're gonna, great. They're going to come back at me after this. Yeah, but, you, but you've been telling us all how great you are in the Champions League predictions and how you're top of the table of the Champions League. Everybody out there, if you wanted to put money on the World Cup, listen to Nigel Rio Coker. His name is <laughs> Nigel Rio Coker. You can find him on Instagram as well. Yeah, you want listen, to put money on the listen, World listen Cup. To, and... Listen to what he says and then do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> listen, if, listen. All I'm saying is this: if people want to know about betting, just go the opposite to what Drake does, because whoever Drake backs, that yes. team is going to lose. So just I agree go with you, Drake, and you'll be all, all right. right. Let's let's finish it up here, uh, JJ. I'm coming to you on Tunisia because there's a lot of French-based players, obviously, in this Tunisian team. Um, again, not many people talking about Tunisia. I'm a fan of what they do. I'm a fan of the way they play. I think they're dangerous, and I think they can cause some problems to Denmark and to France in this group. Um, but what are your thoughts overall on Tunisia? Are they deep enough? Are they dangerous enough? Do they score enough goals? Are they strong enough defensively? I don't uh, ultimately think that they're strong enough to get out of this group, but could they make life difficult for France? Yeah, they certainly could. I mean, obviously there is that sort of competitive element, you know, given, uh, you know, the links between the two countries is a huge Tunisian contingent in uh, in France. Uh, I really enjoyed watching them uh, up against Brazil uh, fairly recently at Parc des Princes. I think they bring a lot of passion, a lot of color, uh, you know, to, to international football. Um, and, you know, I think if, you know, Denmark and France were to take their eye off the ball. Yeah, things they Tunisia could run them closer than people expect, but I I really wouldn't be confident putting my money on them uh, advancing from this group. There is, you know, talent when you're looking through some of the individuals. I actually think that Tunisia could be one of those teams that ultimately develops into being quite a, an impressive international team sort of in the next uh, 10 years. When you look through and see the likes of Hannibal Mejri, uh, you've got uh, Talbi as well, who's playing very well for an underrated Lorient side at the moment. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, the best could be yet to come, uh, you know, for the Tunisians. But sure, on their day, they have players that can hurt some of these teams if they don't put them to bed uh you know guys like wabi kasri who inconsistent as he is you know is a fine technical player on his day jj real quickly before we move on to nigel i know he wants to offer so much about this tunisian team but what about um hannibal mebri you just mentioned it i haven't seen him play much decent player good player good future yeah somebody who you know is understandably highly rated i mean you know, when you have somebody who's plucked from, you know, these big French clubs like a Monaco before he's even played a match at professional level, there's always going to be a, a very high level of expectation, uh, you know, but he is finding his feet, uh, you know, in the, in the English game at the moment. I know he's a United player, but he's on loan at Birmingham City. Bad choice of uh, Loney Club, but that's uh, that's just my Villa roots talking. <laughs> but no, he's definitely somebody who I think, um, you know, could have even been a, uh, some somebody to play regularly for France uh, at some point in the future, but Tunisia have snapped him up early, uh, you know, and I think him coming to the fore internationally so early in his uh, in his career could definitely pay dividends uh, further down the line. Nigel, anything before we move on to Australia? Just to say what JJ said, Tunisia, great individually, but collectively as a team, that's where they've always struggled. They always have some great individual players. You'll always find two or three superb talent, top class talent. But as a team, collectively, they're still not quite there. They're working on that. And again, I think it's something for the future. That's what I have to say. 
I, I think Tunisia will beat Australia in match day too, Nigel. I, I like Tunisia. I've watched them two or three times now, and I think they're dangerous. I like Australia as well, and I think they've got a really good group. They're well coached. They have experience. Players are playing a lot of domestic football in, in the British Islands as well, in particular. Um, what can they do at the World Cup, Nigel? Are they just there to take part, or can they really spring a surprise as to how this group actually plays out and maybe get a win? I wouldn't say they can really spring a, a surprise, but what they will be is committed. Australians are always committed, whatever sports you're looking at, whether it's rugby or anything else, they definitely will be committed to the cause. And again, if you don't take them seriously, if you take them too lightly, then they probably could hurt you. But they're going to be a committed team, but I wouldn't say that there will be much opportunity for them to cause that much upset in this group. I mean, you're looking at the two heavyweights, France and Denmark for me. Uh, maybe Australia could probably get a sneaky win against Tunisia. I think that's going to be an interesting encounter, but you just feel that the other nations have way too much to Australia to be able to handle. JJ, anything yeah. to offer? I, I really think, uh, I said it at the time, I'll say it again, I feel like Australia should be feel lucky to be there uh, and just try to play without pressure. Uh, I think this is a far cry from some of the, what we could consider the golden Australian generations in the past when they had the likes of Cahill, uh, you know, Lucas Neal, Viduka, guys like that. Um, I, I think even speaking to some Aussies, it's difficult for them to get too optimistic about their chances. But obviously, in terms of pride for both Tunisia and Australia, that game between those two will be absolutely huge. Listen, they've got a, a bunch of Scottish-based players in this group, and they've also got a St. Pauli player, Jackson Irvin, in this group. So they have my support. I've also got some family in uh, Melbourne. So just Bloody hell, another passport by Ian. Anyway. Whatever I can do to get that citizenship, Nigel Rio Coker, House of Champions, will get me there. That is for sure. Hey, everybody out there, thank you so much for jumping in the conversation today. It's been absolutely awesome breaking down these groups for you. Obviously, gone through A to D today. We'll try to get to um, the rest of the groups later on this week. The guys have been awesome, really um, offering their time to be able to share comments for you, but also to give you ideas as to how you can put your money. So, as Nigel Rio Coker said, please. Bet your house on Nigel's uh, predictions for the World Cup and let's hope that you uh, you come out on top at the end of it all. But boys, brilliant stuff. The World Cup is underway. A through D is already in the house on House of Champions. You looking forward to it, Nigel? Looking forward to it so much. I really am. I really am looking forward to it. JJ? Yeah, bring on Sunday. Can't wait. Let's get after it. The World Cup is right around the corner. We'll get through the rest of the groups on Wednesday. Tomorrow, we have a, a very interesting conversation. So join us uh, in the morning. I'm not mistaken. Uh, Des is at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Remind me before we get out of here. I'll just let you know to um, please make sure you continue to follow us. Take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. We're not live tomorrow, but we will be out with a very controversial virtual house of champions as we discuss qatar being the home nation for world cup 2022 thanks to everybody out there thanks for your comments thanks to the boys we'll see you again tomorrow and wednesday ciao okay Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.